Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. We had a bad breakup, so we're trying to have a good divorce. What does that mean exactly? Neither one of us can imagine going cold turkey. I think cold turkey is my breakup spirit animal. Hello and welcome to Still Watching, a weekly television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson. I'm Chris Murphy. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are here to discuss the sixth episode of season two of the Max series, And Just Like That. And later, Cynthia Nixon is stopping by to discuss 25 years of playing Miranda, as well as directing two episodes of this season. But first, a quick recap for episode six, Bomb Cyclone. Carrie is peddling her book, and her publisher, Amanda, finds her a prime speaking gig. Thousands of women who have loved and lost from every corner of the country are coming to New York for WidowCon, and you will be their queen. At the Snowbound Conference, Carrie follows another widowed author who is a crowd pleaser. What is happening? Was I so busy deeply grieving? I missed the memo that death is now funny? No matter the obstacle, Lisa Todd Wexley will make her event at the Museum of Modern Art. MoMA is honoring me as a black filmmaker. I will take a dog sled there if I have to. Charlotte's daughter Lily is on a mission. I'm ready to lose my virginity. And now it won't be the perfect day that I had planned. Seema pops the question to Carrie in an Apple store. Are you proposing we go to the Hamptons together? You and me with our own two-bed, three-bath on the beach. Fun. Fabulous. Miranda confronts Steve about their relationship, and he has his big moment. You never wanted to come here to Brooklyn. You never wanted me. And you, you never even wanted Brady! So why don't you go find a new place and get the fuck out of our lives! (gasps) Che and Miranda call it quits. From where we are now, this probably isn't going to get better. Yeah. It's not. And Carrie writes an email to her ex-fiancé, Aiden. And just like that, I realize some relationships are meant to stay in the past. And some aren't. Um, are you folks ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. 
Hey, it's Che Diaz here. <laughs> oh no, that's the last we'll ever hear of. The- <laughs> I'm so sorry. Those those cameos really killed me. Uh, che doing cameo voice. at their like career nadir felt very uh, true. I wonder, did they say what the, what Che charges? I don't think no. uh, I, that came up. No. I'm gonna no. go. I bet it's forty nine ninety nine. Okay, um, Che and Miranda broke up, which I feel like we had sensed some trouble in the water post-L.A., and even in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, but do we think that that's it? I mean, could it be that Sara Ramirez's tenure on the show is over well, and this just is like act- that? This is actually something that uh, you will hear later. Chris and I spoke with the wonderful Cynthia Nixon, um, uh, and Cynthia did have something to say about whether oh. Che's presence on the show will continue. So keep, stay tuned. We, oh, do yeah. have, we do have some insight on that. <laughs> Good tease. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a big change, a big shakeup um, for Miranda's life and for the series. I mean, Che is such a divisive character, um, such like a lightning rod for controversy and for opinions. Um, and, yeah, whatever, whatever happens next, there's definitely going to be a new dynamic kind of brewing. Last episode, I felt sort of like, oh, gosh, I've been sort of hard on Che. Like, I'm— I'm the problem. In this episode, I was like, you know what? I feel a little bit more vindicated in my initial Although, Che does turn out to be a good friend to Carrie. I need you there. I I really want to do a good job for these women. Their husbands died. It's a mess out there. So did mine. I'll see you at one. Thank you. Shows up for WidowCon despite the bomb cyclone descending mm-hmm. over New York. I mean, when you live in Hudson Yards, the Javits Center is not that far away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's basically your your backyard. backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe yeah. we shouldn't yeah. give them too many points right. for putting yeah. on a parka. However. And I think that my worry for Che this season would be that when, if they made an exit, it would be like just kind of like, <laughs> oh, everyone hated this character. Let's get rid of them. Yeah. But actually, I think that, you know, as we see in the pretty bruising fight that Miranda has with Steve in the episode right before <laughs> she stumped, <sighs> um, is that actually I think there's something organic at work with like the dynamic of the Che Miranda relationship, which which I think probably helped Miranda more than it did Che. Mm-hmm. But like. That's okay for the function of this show, that this whole ro- romance was really about Miranda. Yes. Um, and I think that Miranda has learned a lot from it, and uh, the bubble had to burst at some point. Yes. And that mm-hmm. feels narratively believable. It doesn't just feel like Michael Patrick King being like, let's get rid of this character mm-hmm. no one likes. Yeah. She knows things now, many valuable things. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know before. <laughs> exactly. Did either of you see this meme sort of popped up this week, which really dovetailed nicely with, and just like that, the Sex in the City meme of Miranda saying, nobody wants to fuck me and mommy, mm-hmm. right? That sort of was going around online, and that sort of played out mm-hmm. in the Che and Miranda relationship and sort of the death knell of their relationship. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, che even says, My mommy said I have to leave the house at some point this week. Your mommy? Miranda. Yeah. That silence speaks volumes. That was a great bit of face acting from SJP. Mm-hmm. Where she, yeah. It kind of stops her in her tracks on the phone and she's like, oh my God, now this newer friend is bitching to me about my old, old friend. A very, very awkward position. <laughs> in like, yes. But in a, in a really particular kind of complaint that it's like, I don't like, it's kind of embarrassing for mm-hmm. Miranda. I, yeah, that was a good moment and a believable one of where like friend lines blur a little bit. Yeah. And I do think that it was smart for the show. If Che stays, like they've established that Che, you know, is independent of Miranda. Che has a relationship with Carrie. Che is, you know, friends with Carrie. Che is out and about. So I don't know. I think. 
I think it's a, I think it's a smart move for the show. I think the show recognized that the really that the relationship had run its course. Totally. Um, trying to force a connection uh, would have rung false, and at this point, I think Shay has served their purpose in as much as you know. They're they're a character, but they're also kind of a device. And the device was to shake things up for Miranda and shift her into this new chapter. Um, and yeah, now we're going to see what happens there. Yeah, yeah. To, to reckon with the sort of domestic life that, I mean, Steve sort of throws at her. He was like basically like, "You never wanted any of this, so get the fuck out." Yeah, yeah. that was very uh, that was very uh, Virginia Wolf moment. It was so good, and I I was about to say, and I I do think I'm really glad that and just like that gave more of the weighty breakup to Steve and Miranda mm-hmm. than to Che and Miranda. Yeah, recognizing that their relationship has a lot more baggage. Yeah, 25 years of, you know, sort of we've been living with these characters in some way um, rather than, you know, one and a half seasons. And that while, you know, Steve and Miranda, which I did have to remind myself because, you know, I do love Steve, but like he did cheat on her in the first movie. So mm-hmm. like he's not, and that did sort of rear its head again with the condom, which I think was a, I think there was a magnum if I (laughs) was paying attention to that. I was like, okay, Steve. And I think that I just think it was very smart of the show to um, to focus and center the big breakup on Miranda and Steve, even if they've been done and, you know, Uh for months and, you know. But yeah, Steve's articulating the argument against Miranda, like the argument that Sex and the City fans have been having, which is like, how dare you? You know, I put so much into this, like... I built this house. Exactly. Even though she paid for it, though. Well. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that what would the alternative have been for this show? Tiny little domestic complications between Miranda and Steve, you know? Like, they already had a split-up narrative, yes, in the first movie, but... Which felt artificial. Yeah. That that felt maybe forced for just, like... a strange choice that Steve, of all people, would be the one to cheat. Yeah. Yeah. That should have been big. Yeah. From what I remember in the movie, too, it was, like, because Miranda, like, didn't shave her legs or something. It was... There were dumb dumb reasons given for justification. Um, Did you note the sort of symmetry of, in this episode, something that Carrie says inspires Che to, I guess, break up with Miranda. You don't move on because you're ready to. You move on because you've outgrown who you used to be. Mm -hmm. In the first Sex and the City movie, something Miranda says to Big inspires him to not Not show show up up. to the wedding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You two are crazy to get married. Marriage ruins everything. So I guess that's payback. Oh, not there even, yeah. Karma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inadvertent uh, revenge or whatever. Um, I'm very curious to see where Miranda goes next. Um, I mean, I'm sure that Che's not done done, but like in terms of the, the big arc of this relationship, I think the second season sort of redeemed a lot about the character. And, and um, I don't know if I always bought the two of them together, but at the same time, that was kind of the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was a device for Miranda to get out of a life that she kind of didn't want anymore if she ever did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof, I, do we think that she never, I mean, that's... I think, know. no, I think she definitely did at times. It's more just like... It did sort of happen There was to something her. latent in her, obviously, that mm-hmm. she had not addressed for the 25 years that we've known her. Um, Absolutely. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that if... If and just like that wanted to, you know, Charlotte and Harry are still married. Their relationship is still is still uh, affectionate and sexual. And like, I think that 
they could have found a way to have two happy couples. And mm. then I like, I don't know if necessarily you need as many women as possible to be single for the show to work. No, I don't think it's that. I think it's more that like Miranda being contentedly married in Brooklyn with a kid and like that was kind of it. That would that like wasn't the character that we first knew. Mm-hmm. I think they were trying mm-hmm. to give Miranda a reason to return to something. Even though people have been complaining that it's a total violation of who she is. Yeah. I think that like maybe this is just preamble if there's going to be a season three mm-hmm. for a flintier, more self-aware Miranda kind of like we used to know yeah. many, mm-hmm. many years ago. I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, regardless, I do think that, you know, this season especially, it does sort of seem like Miranda is the main character. It's more so than mm, Carrie. Wow. We'll be right back after a short break. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There's five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically, I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Over to Carrie, um, who, you know, more complications with her book and the grief about the book, but in this way, in a comedic way with the bad Zoom interview. So I Googled you and it looks Mm -hmm. like you've written a shit ton of books. Okay, uh, Sex and the City. You, girl. Yeah, that was my first book. Okay, Manhattan. Oh, I get it. <laughs> it's like Manhattan, but with men. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Hilarious. Those kids these days who are, and it's like, where was that woman supposed to work? Like, was it? She had a beauty she, blog, I think. Was yeah. it a beauty blog? She, okay, that like, was beneath yeah. Carrie anyway. But then why did Carrie have agreed to it? I guess. She's got to sell books. I feel like Carrie would be like, I'll do an interview for McCall's and that's it. And then they would be like, Carrie, that magazine hasn't existed in many years. Mademoiselle or Buzz. Speaking of symmetry, once again, a computer is bringing Carrie back to Aiden. That's right. That's right. Yep. Carrie's computer and Aiden are closely linked. Um, I think, I mean, if we're getting into the Carrie and Aiden of it all, I do think that was sort of organically wrought, more so than just like her like bumping into him at a West Elm outlet. In Abu Dhabi? Yeah, in Abu Dhabi even. (laughs) But sort of the conversation about like, you know, girls' dinner, lost loves, two people are going through, one's 
going through a divorce. One is about to go through two sort of breakups and doesn't mm-hmm. even know it yet. You often, that would, I believe that that would cause her to think about, oh, who is my other great love that is actually still here? Mm-hmm. And that felt, uh, yeah, definitely more, uh, if not entirely organic, obviously it's a plot device, but more more so than it easy, than it could have been. Mm-hmm. I think there is truth, certainly, in you're at a dinner party or something, talking to friends and some new friends, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, who's that? And then, then they're like, oh, it's Carrie's ex. And then it's just in her head. Yeah. 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 Totally. Just, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. I feel like that happens. Something that you hadn't thought about in a decade, right. and, and then like, suddenly. Oh, right. And like, actually, I do know that he's single mm-hmm. and doesn't live too far away. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I did feel bad for Naya because she got two sentences about her situation <laughs> yeah. and then it was off to the races <laughs> with everyone else. Man, poor Naya. I mean, I like, getting... She hosted this lovely dinner in her <laughs> lovely home. Hi, hey, even. She's like... letting Miranda shack up at her house and Naya gets two lines about her divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's a no-fault divorce. Must be nice to have a no-fault divorce. Mine's an all-my-fault divorce. But now that Miranda, you know, single Miranda, single Naya, again, I keep holding out hope that we're going to get more of more from Naya. Na- but, Naya's busy keeping all those plants alive. Yeah. That is a full-time job. That's true. <laughs> to have like these new characters, they don't know jack shit mm-hmm. about Aiden. Um, so it just, it, it's, it still serves, you know, the overall story. Mm-hmm. Do, we have, do we have hopes for whatever this Aiden... I mean, we know that John Corbett's going to be on the season because it was in the promos. I mean, evidently that is still his email address. What a strange way for Carrie to phrase <laughs> hey, it. stranger. Dot, if this dot, is dot. still your email, why if, would he have changed his email? Who the, who did he sell that? his email address? <laughs> he sold his email address to West Elm. Right, it's not uh, like a cell phone number. Did you like the Carrie phone? Okay, but I can read. I wrote down the whole email, and, mm-hmm. which is just really did make me laugh because it does sound like Carrie, but it is kind of corny as hell. Okay, subject line. Hey, stranger, dot, dot, dot. And then body. Remember me? If this is still your email, it's me, Carrie. Was just thinking of you the other day, and I wondered how you were doing. So, how you doing? I hope to hear from you. If this is not you, whoever is reading this, carry on. This is very her. The carry, carry on. I Sorry, I love it. Casual, punny, <laughs> open-ended. Open-ended, a yeah. little mysterious, a little ellipses <laughs> for no reason. Like Right. <laughs> well, yeah, when you are trying to reopen the channels of communication with somebody that you dumped brutally twice and were engaged to and who, like, you the, cheated thought of, on. the thought of marrying gave you hives. Was briefly your landlord. Yeah. <laughs> very briefly. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's an intense thing, and I wonder if this sort of how the show will handle the intense fact of Aiden. I mean, they've obviously handled Big's death, so they're 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 equipped to for mm-hmm. for like bigger things. But and according to what John Corbett has said to the New York Times, at least it seems like Aiden is a big storyline yeah. coming up. Well, like, that's intriguing because you know I, we know Kim Cattrall is coming up mm-hmm. eventually, but I my impression of that is it's like a one scene yeah. sort of deal. He seems to be more of a multi episode, right? And yeah. I kind yeah. of assumed that Aiden coming to in just like that would be like Aiden in the souk in Abu Dhabi, and he's like mm-hmm. there for a little bit, and then it's just a stupid complication built for the trailer. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, if he's in a more, a bigger plot, plot line, that is intriguing. I Yeah, I was going to say, or even mention, I don't even really, again, the second movie isn't canon, we've established that, but I don't even remember what he did in the second movie other he than shows like, up stand and, in yeah. the sand. He shows up and Carrie almost, did she kiss him? I think they kiss. They kiss and then she's like, no, no, I can't, my heart belongs to another. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much And then up. she gets home and Big gives her a very enormous, disgusting diamond ring. <laughs> okay, right. that all you stands. Know, okay, that I'm works. glad that we're all on the same page. Um, Carrie obvi- also had her whole book situation with the reading at the Widow Con uh, this, um, this episode. 
Uh, and I, has a fun, uh, fun little also blast from her past. Who Carrie. in the form of in the form of Rachel Dratch, yeah. yes, um, who was not on the original no, show. Yeah. We should no, mention. she was she, yes. she's from Carrie's twenties. Yes, if you're wondering whether Rachel Dratch was playing somebody we've seen before, the answer no, is no. absolutely not because first season of Sex and City, Carrie is already in her thirties. Mm-hmm. I liked the little tidbits we learned. I mean, obviously, I've seen every episode of the Carrie Diaries, so I know what Carrie was like as a teenager. But twenty <laughs> something is a little bit. She references clubs, tunnel, all that stuff that she used to do mm-hmm. in this episode. She's like, I was drunk a lot in my 20s. But I love the idea, because it really scans for me, that a younger Carrie Bradshaw, hot column, maybe wasn't quite a columnist yet, but like was a known writer, fashionista socialite. Of course, she was tapped to co-write a, a rom-com spec oh, screenplay. a thousand mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. And completely tanked it. Yeah. And just, well, because she didn't really care about it. It was just like, oh, did I do that? You know, whereas <laughs> Carrie, other... Carrie is like still thinking about oh, yeah. it. That was her life. I bought that, was her that totally. And I love the weren't you mad when twenty seven dresses came out? <laughs> you know, I just like yeah. I, I don't know. And then That's Rachel a- Dratch gets to get her revenge by setting up Carrie to mm-hmm. fail by making her follow uh, Julie White as like uh, widow. <laughs> the Don comedian. Rickles of uh, grief. <laughs> yes. was it? Yeah, Don Rickles of Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. 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 it's funny because I'm like, oh wow, Carrie could she have done? She's not a collaborator though, so it obviously it, it was so clear that they like. Her and Karen were never going to, you know, get anywhere. But imagining her trying in her 20s, like, to, like, work with somebody else, mm-hmm. like, that's just not in her spirit. And, like, movies is not in her spirit. Um, but uh, I was having a good time at WidowCon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the panic over, like, I need a joke. You're a comedian. Write me a joke. Oh, no. No, dude. I, I don't think anything's funny these days. I'm going to be the bomb cyclone. Come on. I need a joke. I want a joke. And then the joke is kind of sad already. And mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, Carrie's book is powerful and did sway the audience, including Julie White, um, as a reminder that, like, actually, in some ways, Carrie is not as mired in this as she thinks she is. Like, yeah. like her book has helped people, but it's also helped her in the writing of it. And so I think that ties in thematically nicely with the end of the episode when she emails Aiden. We saw last week where she was like ready to like go on a date, you know, mm-hmm. um, and now it's like, OK, I think I've actually processed what happened to me. It's now helping other people. The book is, I would assume, a success. Um, now let's screw that all up and go digging back in my pants. Now it's yeah. time to destroy yeah. a man yeah. Yeah. Destroy for a man the third time. And go to the Hamptons. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, yes. Which go hand in hand. Cannot cannot wait for her and Seema's Hamptons house episode. I think that'll be really I put fun. that in my notes. I was like, I am so excited for, I hope it's more than one episode, frankly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, Although we the got way 13, that, I yeah, think. This, got- this uh, season is really zooming past, like through time. It was Halloween last episode and now we're in the, in the depths of winter. But yeah, it does seem like summer might be right around the corner. Yeah. But this show doesn't really get concerned with uh, time. Um, <laughs> it, it was uh, interesting that we had all this snow. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it in previous episodes. Snow is rare in the show. Obviously, the great splat episode from the first iteration of the series, uh, that is a snowy episode. But this one is really snowy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the midst of it, uh, Charlotte York Goldenblatt goes in search of condoms. I wrote in my notes, have these people never heard of Dwayne Reed? <laughs> Why are they I going to these like specialty apothecaries? At the end, she's holding a CVS bag. Okay. We know right, right. <laughs> I, it's I like, wouldn't that be do. your first yeah. call? And uh, I guess there's probably some enclave of the Upper East Side that that, that, that uh, my naked eye can't see mm-hmm. that doesn't contain Dwayne Reed's or whatever. Like, there's just some it's sort possible of that the Dwayne, Dwayne Reed, Reed desert. Was, that for some reason, that Dwayne Reed was closed and it took her a while to find a CVS that hadn't closed. True. Um, yeah. Did did she handle this well, the sort of news about Lily wanting to have sex? 
I was touched when Lily hugged her and she mm-hmm. delivered the condoms at the end. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay, I got you the assorted pack. There is classic, thin, ribbed. I would avoid using the warming one because you get a rush really easily down uh, there, remember? Cold. And the snow is blowing in. Okay. I th- yeah. think that Charlotte, especially, I will say, I sometimes, you know, think of Charlotte as a little medley, a little uptight, a little not cool. And she was a, she handled it with maturity and... Certainly and, more sex positive than Charlotte of old would have oh, been. The last 25 years have definitely changed Charlotte her. of old would have had a chastity belt ready to go. Like, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. She would have, like, given Lily a copy of the rules and been like, <laughs> see you when you're 30. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but no, new, hip, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Kegel doing Charlotte <laughs> is, like, understands that her daughter is growing up and is is maturing and is there a support system? I mean, I do think it was really, it was very funny when Lily was like, okay, we'll just do the pullout method, bye. And that's what activates her. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Was, that was a ploy on Lily's part, oh, 100%. right? Yeah. She's no. a smart girl. She's I mean, a smart it worked. Girl. Uh, I think it's, I think it was also my favorite part of the episode is when she's on the phone with Lily and it's like, I can't believe you don't have a condom. And Harry is walking toward her and just like wordlessly in the background, blurred, <laughs> turns around and walks in the other direction. Yeah. I thought that that was a very funny beat. Harry was like, I don't really want to know about this, but I'm not going to like get in the way of yeah. it. Yeah. You know? He had enough of that with Rob and the modeling, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think it was handled well. I think it was good for sort of comedy and to show that Charlotte evolved. I don't necessarily think that you can hear anyone on your cell phone that well when it's a snowstorm. (laughs) (laughs) Like the audio between her and Gary was very clear. Um, But I loved the closing shot of Charlotte looking up, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of just like, Watching her daughter grow up, you yeah. know, sort yeah. of. Yeah, and it feels like, yeah, now that the stage is also set for her to kind of figure out what's next for, like, her as a person. Right, because yes. yes. we have this gallery thing mm-hmm. kind of dangling in the background yeah. um, that I hope that the show pursues. I, I mean, know, it when, light, when life yeah. gives you Victor Garber, you don't it turn check it away. off Victor Garber, <laughs> check off Hampton's house. You know, these things have to be answered eventually. Um, also trekking through the snow was Lisa Todd Wexley mm. in a real, that, that strut. That mm-hmm. she had with the with the wide bridge. Twice hat. now she has insisted on walking. When I know. Did not show up <laughs> she for has her. transportation <laughs> she'll problems. She'll walk. She'll get there. And I do think um, her carrying all those bags, and then the sort of like the quiet moment in the bathroom where she's like putting on her wig. And you know, we've seen that she's you know she has all these fabulous uh, hairstyles. We're not going to let a little snow stop us, are we? No, we are not. I thought it was just like a nice moment between Lisa Todd Wexley in the bathroom and then another black woman, just like mm-hmm. a knowing nod, and then we move on. And and I think probably the show's way also of saying like we understand the reality for a, like a black fabu- woman. for like a fabulous <laughs> black woman, like what that actually means. Like we have writers of color now. Yeah. We are like conversant in this reality that we are showing. I'm having a little trouble, I think, following the the plot of her marriage like this episode was about like him devoting time to her accomplishments not mm-hmm. just sort of right like like I guess they're both very successful and he's running for this office but like I don't know are we feeling I, I think it was a nice moment when he shows up and she appreciates uh-huh. it but I, I don't know that I, was way secondary to me than the yeah. bathroom moment like yeah. it there was, doesn't seem to be a ton of tension the show is maybe no. trying to make tension or between them in successful. the marriage but yeah it does I, I guess the the way that she is sold is like she's been this super mom for a long time and she's also coming back to work after, you know, taking time off to concentrate on raising her kids. And like that's 
that's kind of in the background. But yeah, I mean, there weren't a lot of stakes behind like yeah. <laughs> my, 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 my fancy event, event no, versus my, your fancy event. My fancy event. event, which I'm sure very successful couples have to deal with that all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, you know, it wasn't like super engaged in that. And I guess it is sweet that, you know, he sacrificed his event for her event. I would like to see a little more friction with Lisa. Not mm-hmm. doesn't have to be with Herbert. I'm not saying it has to be a marital problem, mm-hmm. but like something that's a little stickier. It doesn't have to be super dramatic because I love her. I love the performance. But um, when you have like a big Miranda blowout with Steve and you mm-hmm. have Carrie emailing Aiden and Naya serving people dinner for a second, <laughs> uh, you just kind of want a little more for, for Lisa. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Seema didn't get very much to do this episode either. We no, should no, We've, I hope they're setting, I mean, they're setting the Hamptons thing hopefully will be big. She just gets to wear a fun coat in the Apple store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's enough for me for her sometimes. <laughs> Still watching, we'll be back in just a moment. And when we return, we'll be talking to Miranda, I mean, Cynthia Nixon. <laughs> I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. I'm really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. (laughs) He can't stop. I mean, and and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) Of all the returning characters from Sex and the City, Miranda has been maybe the most scrutinized and discussed by viewers of And Just Like That. Cynthia Nixon has played Miranda for more than 25 years and knows her better than anyone else. And we got a chance to speak to Cynthia about her character and her directorial work on this season of And Just Like That. Here's our conversation. Um, so I have to say, Chris and I were a little nervous uh, talking to you after Carrie's disastrous Zoom interview. Um, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Zoom yeah. is not Carrie's medium. It is not mine either, I have to admit, which is why I love, um, I'm just going to call it radio because I know it's a podcast, but, you know, for me, my dad was in radio, so oh, wow. I'm a radio oh, that's girl. So, that's so great. Well, uh, let's to go all the way back even before Sex in the City and and just like that, I mean, you first worked with Sarah Jessica Parker in the ABC TV movie, My Body, My Child. That's all the way back in 1982. And now, you know, you've directed, you're, you know, you're starring again with her and then just like that, and you're directing her. Did you think all those years ago that you would ever be, you know, behind the director's chair with your old friend, with your... No, I certainly didn't. I mean, to be perfectly honest, when you're, you know, 12 and a child actor, um, the main thing that I was focused on, and I think probably she was too, was like, this is great for now. I'm a child. I'm working. I'm working with good people. I'm doing projects that I like. But... I know that the transition from being a child actor to an adult actor is very, very, very <laughs> tricky. So <laughs> the idea of like being, you know, 
growing up and being a director, that seemed, you know, beyond the pale. But I was just really like, you know, can I keep this, you know, does this not have an 18 year old or 21 year old expiration date on it? Can I can I keep this going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now and now here you are. You directed two episodes this season. Yes. Um, episodes five and six. Six is the one that we're going to be talking about primarily. Great. Um, so how did all of your years on Sex and the City uh, help you kind of figure out how to manage roles as director and actor? I mean, how do you step into this machine that you've been part of for so long in a different role, just kind of generally speaking, what's it like to be a director on it just like that? You know, being a director is like being a parent, you know, that you can you can never do all the things that are being asked of you. But but I guess the good part of it, like being a parent, is you can lean into your strengths. You know, you can be the you know, the cheerleading parent, you could be the disciplinarian parent, you could be the artistic parent or the sporty parent, you know, whatever the problem is, you know, there there are people that, that are there to help you. But in the end, the buck stops with you about, wow, what are we going to do? Um, for directing in episode six, that's a really heavy Miranda acting episode. She goes through a hell of a lot. Yeah, she has, she has two breakups. Two breakups in a row. <laughs> right, um, right. I I. I'm really curious. I guess we should, uh, we'll start with the first breakup. Um, Stephen Miranda, obviously, you know, people have loved Stephen Miranda and the internet, you know, really cares about Miranda from Sex and the City. And it, the you've told our colleague Joy Press that it's been sort of an interesting journey to see people react to this sort of new Miranda. Um, uh, how do you feel people might react to like Stephen Miranda's breakup? And what was it like sort of having to go through sort of that really intense, I mean, he says some terrible things to Miranda, and yet you're also directing at the same time. How did you juggle that? Well, I mean, I, I guess I, I am curious to know how people react to that. I mean, I think people love Stephen Miranda, but I think people love Steve mm. also just on his own. And I think, you know, look, I mean, even within our own cast and crew, there was a lot of you know, anxiety and upset about what happened with Stephen Miranda last season. And there were actually buttons, Team Steve and Team Miranda <laughs> that people wore. And Sara Ramirez, once to torment me, actually took a, a Team Steve button oh, and wow. put it on. That's great. That's cold. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that Steve feels a little just sort of disposed of. And I think, you know, people who are, you know, audiences who are, you know, very much or at least to some extent in Steve's corner, um, you know, worry about that, too. And people ask me, like, are we going to see Steve this season? I was like, oh, yes, we are definitely going to see Steve this season. So, I, you know, I'll be interested to see how people react. But I do think it's like giving giving Steve a moment to be like, hey, you know, WTF, mm-hmm. like, what was that? And, you know, like, what am I supposed to do with all this confusion and pain and anger that I, you know, so and yeah, he does say some some pretty harsh things. But, I, you know, I mean, that's the thing about those those big fights. And, you know, certainly Miranda is someone who's all, often guilty of that, you know, kind of blurting it all out and then having to go up and go back and say, I, I didn't really mean that that thing I said and that thing I said. And I'm sorry, you know, I was about to say, I mean, I have to imagine, you know, having played these characters for 25 years that might emotionally hit harder? Do you like take it home with you in a different way because you've been Miranda for so many years? Or are you just like, oh, that was a great scene. And now on to the next. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I took it home with me. I I have to say I, I don't. I mean, it was, 
you know, I feel like the first time you rehearse a scene like that, then it it really hits you hard. But then, you know, you play it all day and you're kind of done with it. You're kind of done with it. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, speaking like as a fan of the show, too, I, I feel like it was kind of nice to see Steve get like a moment. And it was a, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then him to finally get to shout all the things that people who watch the show have been (laughs) shouting. Exactly. Exactly. And then I think, you know, turning the tables again, you know, you know, on on him and realizing he hasn't been 100 percent honest about actually where he is and what he's up to, I think was good also. Yeah. And we have to remember from Sex and the City, the movie, that this is not Steve. You know, Steve has cheated before. He's, you know, so I think people like to. Think that Steve the relationship is, a perfect is guy. very comp is more complicated. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you I, think there's a future where the two of them they have so much history? Do you think there's a future where the two of them can be on you know cordial terms? Oh, I I absolutely do. I 100 percent do. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, I don't want to. I don't want to give away things that are yet to come. But <laughs> yes, of course, I do feel that. Well, it's interesting that like you know we think that watching episode six, that the Steve and Miranda finally having that conversation, that's going to be the big climactic moment of the episodes and of the episode. And in some way it is, but then we sort of get hit with, you know, the Che and Miranda of it all. And their relationship this season has been so interesting because it feels like we really get to learn more about who Che is as a person this season and get into sort of their job and their pilot and their, you know, their late night comedy lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about uh, Miranda and Che's relationship up to this point and whether or not was Miranda holding on to something that was never meant to last? Do you think, that, you know, they've had some difficulty this season navigating their different lifestyles? But it was honestly kind of, uh, you know, nice to see Miranda and Che, you know, try to make it work. But I, I will say I was always a little skeptical whether or not they could figure out their, their very differing, uh, you know, morning and night lifestyles. Right. I mean, right. The thing about um, Miranda and Che is they had incredible chemistry from the beginning. And then, you know, I think sometimes people come along in your life and, you know, you you don't want to let them walk by without being like, hey, you know, you come here. Um, but that it's not necessarily then you're going to, as as Che kept warning Miranda, we're not going to like walk down the aisle, you know, mm. and and certainly that wouldn't be it, it. It's not what Che is looking for. But I but honestly, it's not what Miranda is looking for, at least not at this moment. You know, Miranda just got out of a yeah. 16 year marriage, something like that. Like the last thing she needs to do is to, you know get hitched and walk into the sunset again. She just did that. Um, Miranda has so many different things to explore, not just romantically and sexually, but, you know, career-wise and person-wise. And I think Che was like a very important catalyst along um, along the way. And I can't remember what episode now, but, you know, Miranda has this whole thing about, um, you know, I never stay friends with my exes, you know. Well, now that she's you know, 50, whatever, can she, can she be a little more grown up about that? It'd be like, you know, these people are not just some random guy I dated for a week. You know, these are like very important people in my life that I love and that were very important in making me the person that I am. Am I going to, am I just going to go back to old habits and jettison them? Or am I going to try and 
<laughs> grow as a person and find a way to not be in a romantic relationship with either one of these people, but still maintain them. And so that is to say that, you know, like that Che is still going to be a part of the of the season two, even after the death of their relationship with Miranda. Yeah. Well, you know, Che didn't come into the sh- show, you know, through mm. Miranda. Right. Che is their own their own person who is who's, you know, and and so it's very, you know, obviously we've never had two main characters date each other before, <laughs> much less break up with each other. So how does that how does that work? I think it's I think it's fun. No, totally. And I will say, read Che's pilot. I was hoping that it would move forward because I was hoping there would be a Miranda character uh, in the pilot, eventually played by Laura Linney, who you starred on Broadway with in The Little Foxes. And halfway through uh, the show, you two would switch parts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's very I great. Still have I, I that love that, that idea. Yeah, Chris's, Chris's fan it. fiction is very elaborate. <laughs> it is. <a laughs> deep fan. <laughs> and so going, going beyond Miranda, this episode, uh, there are a bunch of big set pieces in the snow during the bomb cyclone. I imagine that those are probably very complicated as a director um, to coordinate. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about the uh, about the snowstorm. Yeah, well, you know, we kept trying to see was there going to be a day in which there was some actual snow that we could then enhance in post-production. And there just never was uh, there was no snow. snow this winter. There was no snow. This there was no snow. Very, yeah, no it snow. was very upsetting. <laughs> Uh, yes, it was. But yeah, we had to do, you know, we had many, many, many meetings trying to figure out, you know, what streets and what streets we were going to then try and replicate and, um, you know, what order we were going to shoot things in, what we were going to do in in a real spot in Manhattan and what we were only going to do in a soundstage out in Bethpage, Long Island. Um, there were a, there were a lot of moving pieces. But again, when when you're the director on a particularly on a production like this, you have just the most talented people um, who've been there before and who who know the solutions and move forward. And I think it's really exciting. You know, we were always the original show was always a warm weather show. They would occasionally call us the girls of summer because that was when we were (laughs) on. Um, And it was, you know, waves to highlight the clothes. So we're not all in in big winter coats, but it was fun for once um, to see them in um, to see, you know, Carrie in particular, of course, has such a. Oh, yeah, that coat was incredible. An amazing. Right. Um, what I don't understand is where she keeps it when yeah. she's not wearing it. <laughs> you can't put that in her stove. Like it. <laughs> well, it is. The show is based in a lot of reality. And then when it comes to the fashion, you just have to go with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very willing to suspend my disbelief if I yeah. get to look yeah. at that. Oh, 100%. exactly. Read that episode. It was so fun. The cameos having Rachel Dratch and, oh, and Julie White pop up. And there I have been know. so many amazing cameos. I mean, from Gloria Steinem to Billy D. Williams to <laughs> the list goes on. What does it feel like sort of interacting with these guest stars when they come in? And how was it specifically working with Rachel Dratch and Julie White, who uh, they're both such dreams? Oh, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, the part that, you know, Julie White plays a, an author who is widowed and who writes a funny book about widow widowhood when we first talked to her about doing it she was like oh you know this is very borscht belty this is not me and so michael i think really really tweaked it to make it 
to make it more Julie, to make it more folksy and warm. Um, and then gave her that beautiful moment at the end where even though she's up there telling all the jokes, she actually is, you know, needs someone like Carrie to for a cathartic moment. Um, and Rachel Dratch, of course, was just, I mean, you know, such a, such a delight. And it was so funny because that character was sort of unlikable as played by <laughs> anybody but Rachel Dratch because <laughs> she's so like competitive and sort of uh, petty, that character. But when Rachel Dratch does it, you know, she's just <laughs> also a kook and you you just love her anyway. And of course, then you just let Rachel, you know, improvise and you just shore up as much of that gold as you can. But it was a very... That scene of uh, Widow Khan was a very, very, mm. very long day. And um, there were some Cosmopolitans um, had on the set near <laughs> the end. And I think, you know, Rachel and Julie were like, you know, here I am with the Sex and the City girls having a Cosmo on the set. It doesn't get better than this. <laughs> oh, that's and that great. Was, and I have to say, for me, the almost the most poignant stuff is the Nicole Ari Parker, the LTW stuff. Um, where she, you know, on stage at the MoMA talking about her film and talking about, you know, why it was so important for her to to make this documentary about these three black women and um, and why it's so important for her as a black female filmmaker. And uh, I, I just yeah. I, I that's the that's the moment that always really gets me when Herbert comes in. But also seeing her, you know, traverse through the snow in another fabulous outfit and then um put on her wig oh, in the bathroom yes, is really, totally. really a beautiful, a beautiful visual moment. Yeah. If you think about it for a moment, like LTW has all this yeah. great, fabulous hair that's very different, for, you know, scene to scene. But it's the first time we ever see her actually acknowledge that, oh, yeah, I wear a lot of wigs and take the wig off and be without the wig for a moment. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, it's a very snowy scene, but a uh, snowy episode. But we also see uh, Seema and Carrie talking about the fabulous Hamptons house that they're going to rent. I have to hope that that comes up in a future episode this <laughs> season. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. It definitely does. I won't tell you in what way, but it um, it definitely does. That's something to look forward yeah, to. We gotta, yeah, that's, yeah. Ooh, can't yeah. wait to see the ladies yes. take, yeah, take there, the Hamptons. Yeah, <laughs> is there anything else you can hint about uh, where... Miranda's story specifically is going mm -hmm. um, as season two continues? I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, I think Miranda is is navigating her way with her son, is navigating her way um, with her love life, even though she feels like she's back to square one in some ways. Um, but I think for Miranda, also the big piece is uh, the professional life, having jettisoned her corporate law career of, of you know, two and a half decades, um, you know, where is she going to land? So I think that's a big thing for her. And yeah, and uh, I I hope that we get a little bit more of her uh, roommate life with Naya. Yeah, I love her relationship. Yes. Naya. Yeah, I love it too. And uh, yeah, I think that these were really the two things for Miranda, Che and Naya in terms of like helping her become the person she really wanted to be. And Che is, you know, Che is, in, you know, not center stage from, from Miranda anymore. But I think um, Miranda and Naya are really kind of so much in the same boat now, not professionally, obviously, but as newly single, divorcing women in their, you know, 50s trying to trying to figure it out. 
Well, and it'll be nice to see the two of them being single, especially since it seems like, I don't know, Carrie, Carrie and Aiden uh, is starting up again yeah. as of perhaps <laughs> the last minutes. Of- yeah, the last minutes of this episode. Where did you stand? You like you, Cynthia, on Aiden? Oh, I was always team Aiden. Um, <laughs> C- Cynthia, definitely. Cynthia, definitely. Like, no always question. team Aiden. Right, right. I, we- no question about it. That's, we should say Hillary is not team Aiden. I, we have to I, be am, on, we have oh. I am historically anti-Aiden because he just wanted to change Carrie. Although I understand that, you know, maybe both of them have grown and matured since the days of Sex and the City. And, you know, he won't constantly be telling her what to do anymore. I don't know. He was kind of controlling on the original <laughs> he show. He definitely really? was. Really? Really? <laughs> That's my take. Quickly before you go, this has been so wonderful. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. What do you think it is about these four women that has so connected with the culture and has stayed with us for so many years? I mean, I think really it was about showing women who are of a marrying age who were not beating down the door to get married, you know, and who Mm. actually were enjoying their lives, enjoying their careers, enjoying their sex lives, enjoying their friendships and you know, and 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 had these close female friends who were different than them, who who saw life differently and trying to argue it out at brunch. You know, what is, you know, what should one want from life? What should one want from love? What should one, you know, want from a friendship? Um, and I think that uh, we just had not had seen, really seen that in terms of you know, if we were lucky, there was a a woman at the at the center of the show. But to have four women who were, uh, you know, all all these ma- all major characters, you know, loving each other and debating with each other about life and wearing these amazing clothes, and you know, New York was their playground. I mean, that's that was. I think those are the main things that made the show so so successful and so beloved. Yeah. And why we're so happy to be able to continue seeing what's going on with our friends. With our friends. We're yeah. By and just like yeah. that. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you so much, Cynthia. <laughs> thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Yeah. Um, and you'll tell us what lipstick shades you're loving next time. We talk. <laughs> exactly. Still Watching will be back in just a moment. And when we return, the fabulous fashions and the not so glamorous looks. And finally, this is the part of the show when we talk about the clothes in our segment, Killer Looks and Fashion Roadkill. I mean, I think we have to talk about the winter wear. I mean, those were the standout. Yeah, the title of this episode should just be coats, exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) Big coats. (laughs) Um, Have you ever seen a coat as big as Carrie's coat? (laughs) I mean, I need to. I mean, I wish I probably should look this up if I could have found it. But like. Who designed that? That just that's just some crazy like Paris. It was runway designed thing. by the BFG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's exactly. like straight out of you know some runway show like Versace, Valentino. It has to be never really meant to be worn <laughs> by someone in the world. I feel like it somehow it's enormous, but still like not very warm. Yeah, <laughs> but is it a killer look or is it roadkill? I kind of can't decide. Oh, I thought it was a killer look. I, would say I killer, gasped. Yeah. yeah, I gasped like a. <gasps> Like it was, it just yeah. The way it reminds it, it reminds me of uh, the Oscar de la Renta dress that's like uh, arranged all around her in the second Paris episode when like Big right. discovers her when she's just like this tiny little person Sitting. in like the largest <laughs> the skirt, skirt you've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. 
really fantastic. Thanks. You guys don't follow a lot of fashion, I know, but I do. And actually, <laughs> um, if your plane ever lands in the water and you open the door, Carrie's coat <laughs> that's what's fill, you know, inflates. And you in can, the event yeah. of a water landing, Carrie's here's, coat here's will drop. Here's this $30,000 couture coat. Um, I thought, but I, I, the, the coat is very fun. But I loved Carrie's retro ski suit mm-hmm. uh, at the oh. Apple store. It was bulky, but like with a cinch just right. With like, a heel, which we Of course. Yeah. She's always going to do a jumpsuit with a heel. It yet, you know. <laughs> um, I thought that was a really fun chic but also kind of winky thing um and also i don't think we've ever seen again because this show doesn't really do winter mm-hmm. uh it was fun to see her in something like that bundled yeah yeah for sure um they are really going hard on charlotte and burberry though in a way that still makes yeah. me feel like that is just like a little too on the nose for her i don't know she's <laughs> is she too rich for burberry i yeah i i guess so i only have a knockoff burberry scarf so i i can't really comment but um maybe she's secretly an influencer she's just like a, a very like low key upper east side yeah they like, just sent her all of these things and she yeah. has to wear them for her she instagram does unboxing page. videos with like lily and rock i could see that i could see yeah you know of burberry stuff yeah i it feels like moms on the upper east side that i've met though it mm-hmm. feels a little it feels of that world but i do think she probably Maybe she'll step it up in a new season, you know. <laughs> but it was a good episode for the fashion. I really love seasonal changes, which is maybe one of the benefits of rushing through a calendar mm-hmm. year. How many? Uh, maybe this whole season is going to be six years or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's very but. possible because the first episode is the Met Gala, which is May. Famously, right. the first Monday in May. Right. We're six episodes in and we're now And we're in already December. in like January. Yeah. We're going December? a month an episode. Yeah. More than a month kind of, an episode. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. 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 Even faster. We skipped right past the holidays. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, Hampton's yeah, we're not, town. I guess we're not going to get a, a Christmas carry look. Yeah, or like a, a very uh, a very golden blood Hanukkah. I don't know. Maybe something to think about for mm-hmm. season three. <laughs> okay. Well, that does it for this episode of Still Watching. As ever, you can send us any questions, concerns, fashion raves and rants to stillwatchingpod at gmail.com. You can also, for the time being, find me on Twitter at Rylaws. That's R-I-L-A-W-S. And you can find me on Twitter at Chris Tris, C-H-R-I-S-T-R-E-S-S. And you can find me at Hillabuster with two R's. This has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer is Will Coley, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Jake Loomis. The show was mixed by Bob Mallory. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. We'll be back next Thursday for Episode 7. Looking forward to seeing you then. There's good stuff here. Hey, Britain, let's go shoot some hoops. (laughs) You never wanted to move to Brooklyn. (laughs) That's really amazing work. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, host of Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. This week, with the help of Dan Adler and Olivia Nuzzi, we're going inside the media circus swirling around Donald Trump's criminal trial. People want coverage of Donald Trump. There are sort of shades of 2015, 2016. I found it to be a a total break from the reaction to a lot of Trump coverage in the last two years. Join me, Brian Stelter, on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Listen wherever you get podcasts.